Welcome to the Sunday Lunch Project podcast. This is Nigel Creaser here. In this episode, I'm excited to say that the Sunday Lunch Project Manager meets the lazy project manager, Peter Taylor. This is my first interview, and I'll be honest, I was a little bit nervous. Will I be bumbling on, or will Peter hate all my questions, or will the whole thing even record properly? Um, But it seemed to go okay, and I hope you enjoy it. Just before we get started, just a quick word from my sponsors, though I haven't got any at the moment. I am looking for sponsors for the show, and uh, in the meantime, this episode is sponsored by my own books, Project Management, The Sketches, which is a hilarious collection of sketches and songs available just about anywhere, really, Kindle, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, Waterstones, in paperbook and in ebook. My first book, When I Was a Project Manager, is also uh, available on uh, Kindle. And it's also available in Kobo for free at the moment. So get your copy. So that's it. On with the show. I wanted to welcome you all to the Sunday Lunch Project podcast, and I've got a, a special guest today, a gentleman called uh, Peter Taylor. Uh, I'm going to read a biog from his uh, his first book, and the book that I first uh, got introduced to Peter, and I in fact have a signed copy in front of me. Uh, it says, ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Lazy Project Manager. Despite its title of the Lazy Project Manager, Peter is in fact a dynamic and commercially astute professional who's achieved notable success in project management, program management, and professional development of project managers. Latterly, the head of projects, a global supplier of performance management solutions. And in in addition to that, there's a few quotes I've heard, which are perhaps the most entertaining and inspiring speaker in project management today, with over 17 books and presenting over 330 presentations around the world in 25 countries to more than 40,000 people. So, Peter, I want to welcome you to the podcast. And uh, as I say, it's very, I'm very grateful you to come along. Oh, no, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. I'm a bit embarrassed by that, that first kind of introduction on the grounds that that was, a, <laughs> that was a PR thing I put together about 10 years ago, the dynamically commercially astute, oh, my goodness me. Yeah, these days I just say I'm a speaker and a project manager. It's a lot simpler. Yeah, I, it's, um, I dug out the book um, with the Be Lazy, uh, Be Lazy from Pete written on it, and uh, I'd forgotten that you, I'd got it signed by you, in fact, yeah, so it's, it's that long ago. Yeah, wow. So that, as you know, I've pinged you a few questions, and um, I kind of want to get behind who Peter is, really, and, and with some of the interviews on here, I want to try and get a little bit of a, a variation around people's history and how they got into project management, because I think it's an interesting and varied uh, subject matter really so I've kind of given you a bunch of questions that I've sent there where, where were you born and and where you live now so kind of do you want to give us a little background around those sure okay so I, I was born in um, in the UK I was born in Kent I was born in 
Pembury, actually. I was born in the Pembury Hospital. Um, and that's interesting because my aunt still works in Pembury Hospital all these years later. And actually, my partner was born in the same hospital. Quite a few years between us, but we, that's, that's the one thing we've discovered we have in common. So wow. I'm from Kent. I've spent very little part of my life living in Kent. I've spent most of my life living either where I am now, which is in Berkshire. So I live in Sanders in Berkshire. Um, I lived here from my formative years up to my mid-twenties, um, and I returned just over two years ago to the same area. In fact, I lived just down the road from where my parents lived. But I spent nearly 25 years up in the Midlands. Well, you know, I, I'm just at sort of around the Coventry area. So that's kind of my my personal journey. I mean, obviously, as you said, you know, I, I've travelled the world in speaking, etc. But I've only ever lived in the UK. So um, that's the kind of two major locations. All right, cool. And you mentioned your partner there. A little bit about family and background there. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so I'm with uh, a lady called Juliet now. And um, yeah, so we have uh, a family between us. I mean, we actually don't have any children together, but we do have a lot of children between us. So we in fact have nine, ch- nine children. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> it makes Christmas and other events very, very interesting. So we have nine children um, ranging, from, you know, five girls, four boys, ranging from uh, 15 all the way up to 31. So, yeah, quite a quite a good range there. So Christmas is a big project in itself then? Oh, yeah. yeah well, I'd retire to the corner with a nice glass of wine and watch the chaos ensue. <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty much self-sufficient now, actually. It's quite interesting. So uh, they make a lot of noise, but they're a lot of fun as well. Right. Brilliant. So you said you grew up in the Berkshire area. And yeah. um, so one of the things that I, intrigues me is kind of what what people who are project managers wanted to be when they grew up. And I know some <laughs> some project managers have yet to grow up. But um, what, what was it? What was your what did you want to be? It's interesting. I'm actually meeting people these days who grew who growing up wanting to be project managers. It's, you know, in my day, that was well, it, it didn't exist. I mean, it yeah. just wasn't spoken about. So, um, well, at, at school they told me I should be an accountant, which fortunately I wasn't. Um, um, what did I want to grow when I grew up? I guess the best thing I could say I wanted to be was kind of my sort of fantasy was to be a writer. Now, clearly, I wasn't thinking about being a writer of business books, but I wanted to be a, an author of some form. Um, so that was an overarching one. Beyond that, I was I was just generally confused about what life was going to offer. I mean, and my best friend is one of those people who had utter clarity. He wanted to become a construction engineer from the moment I met him, really, in, in a, you know, a very early age. And, you know, he's done that and he's been very successful. And in fact, you know, he heads up a, a major construction company in, in the US. So he always had a path and I had completely no path. And I it was kind of that's kind of how I just fell into project management, really. Oh, right. So going on to that with the, the project management is kind of did I'm guessing you didn't. Um, go to university and have a project management degree and that sort of thing because I'm um, I, I kind of know roughly no. you're a similar age to me and I don't <laughs> think those existed then uh, no no so my education was yeah fairly typical I mean I you know I did my sort of O levels and I then started doing some A levels and I really I wasn't educatedly minded at that point I was far too much of a distracted rebel I suppose so I I, I quit school and I went off and worked for a year to make some money and then I went back to college and crammed my A-levels in one year because that's about as much time as I could bother to give to that kind of activity. Um, and what then was that, I, what was that first job then? 
The first job was, um, I just, I spent a summer doing odd jobs, basically. I joined a recruitment agency and did everything from packaging boxes to kicking parcels off trains and things like that. I, I would say my first real job was I joined a company because I, I shared a, a, a house with a few other guys and they worked in this company. It was part of the aeronautical um, defense system uh, suppliers and they they were recruiting like crazy and I, I joined and my first real job was a progress chaser I sat there on a printed circuit board assembly uh, section and I had to basically make sure well, yeah, I, my job was supposed to know where all the work orders were at any given time uh, I wasn't very good at it to be honest so uh, I was I was a bit too lazy in the wrong way at that point um, and it didn't really inspire me but that was my first job and eventually I kind of then I fell into um, something I kind of got the hang of, which was, you know, stock control, stock management, warehouse management. And then, um, you know, it kind of moved on from there. All right. So then you were, your education, you went back and did some more studying, you said? Well, I did some, I did some related to the work I was doing. And then it kind of, you know, what, what clicked for me was, um, you know, I joined a company, a smaller company at that point, and they happened to be, um, deploying um, an MRP, Materials Requirements Planning Solution, for those who might remember MRP yeah. before ERP, or MRP, MRP2, then ERP. Yeah, I um, those. Uh, and the, the IT director of that company had basically customized the hell out of this uh, particular solution and <laughs> then moved on to start his own company. Um, and they were trying to basically deploy the next generation of software in a kind of vanilla format, and they needed someone to do a comparison. And for, and for whatever reason, I had some spare time. I showed some some aptitude to do this. I had some structure and discipline and around it, I produced some nice reports. And then from there, I kind of, um, I spent time working with the consultants that came in with us. And I realized that those, those guys coming in would seem to drive much better cars than I had. And they seemed to have much better suits than I was wearing. And therefore, I decided that was the job I should join. And if you like, I kind of fell into it at that point. All right. So that so that was your step into a sort of a career path then really. Yeah, so that was my career path and but I was I was at that point I was a manufacturing consultant. Um but I joined a company and, and I can look back and I can look see it now. I mean I can see that I was this was my first project because I was doing some work for one of the um um uh, the home computer companies at the time, one of the many that kind of exploded onto the scene. Yeah. And and they had this brilliant um, uh, technique of of uh, sales and repairs because um, they were ch- I mean they were literally I mean they, they, it was the heyday um, they were number one in uh, the France and I think they were number three in the UK or at computers at the time nice. um, and they were selling thousands a week actually thousands and thousands of these things but of course a lot of you know a percentage of them came back because people said they didn't work and that was quite possible but the company had decided their policy on on this was actually it was the users were idiots and therefore we would record the serial number um we put them in a brand new box and sell them to someone else and if that second person then sent them back we'd say actually it's not the user there is a problem in which case we put them in a big pile at the far end of this warehouse and send a brand new one out um, and everybody was happy, but suddenly I realized that actually now we had 10,000 of these boxes in the corner and actually that was a lot of money. So they said we need to repair them. So my first project, I would say, was to design a very simple repair, a test and repair line. It was such a simple project, really, because all the resources were in one place. I think I had to walk up the road to a, uh, a, a shop to buy a couple of pieces of equipment and that was it. But I mean, the people were there, the, the desk, everything we needed, etc. was there. It was just a matter of putting together this 
this uh, structure and process, which I did fairly quickly. Um, and nobody called me a project manager. It wasn't decided it was a project, but I can look back and go, actually, that for me was my very first project. Very simple, um, but it kind of gave me some some insight into you know, the approaches that seemed to work for me. And I, had, it was many years. It was five years after that, I think I was called a project manager and eight years after that, I was ever sent on a training course to be a project manager. Yeah, so that was so when did you realize that you were a project manager? Was it before <laughs> you were called one or was it after? I, somewhere in between, I think. Um, I mean, I think the points I remember were, you know, I was be, I was being given bigger and bigger things to do. And I, and I was beginning to recognize, you know, I did. I still didn't have the words to describe it. But then when I went on a training course, it kind of it kind of gelled for me. And I, in fact, I was talking to another person of sort of similar age to me and experience from the accidental project management world uh, some time ago. And we were at a conference and we were just talking about this, like, how do we even survive? Because nobody taught us anything. And I think we survived because and I think the ones that did survive during that sort of era were the ones that had a kind of uh, affinity to, you know, a degree of control, but also I think more to do with the soft skills of understanding the people side of things and the communication that's required. And then when I went on the course, it gave me all the kind of almost the mechanics of project management. And, oh, wow. Okay. I understand that. Oh, that would have been useful to understand, et cetera. So I would say somewhere, you know, somewhere in that kind of period, I kind of evolved into a project manager and, um, you know, took it from there. Yeah. And, and did you sit there back there and think, right. Oh, I am doing this project management training. I'm doing this. This is what I'm going to be doing for the foreseeable future. Or was it a case of this seems to be the right thing to do at this time? Um, I think the latter. It's the right yeah. thing to do at this time. I mean, I, one thing I'm terrible at is having any, you know, the worst interview question for me, and I mean, it's a long time since I've really been interviewed, but the worst interview question for me is, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? I haven't got a clue. You know, I've never had that kind of projection of my life. It's like, this is interesting, and who knows where it might, where it might take you. And, and really, you know, writing the book was kind of like that. You know, I, I had no idea. I thought I'd like to write a book. I'll write a book, and, you know, here we are. Okay. So I won't ask that question, and I'll cross that off my list. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you just mentioned one of the things, that the fact that your first project you remembered being that, uh, that mm -hmm. unofficial project, if you like. Um, you talk about the it sounds like you, you had the MRP organization and the um, uh, working with the desktop suppliers. What what other industries have you worked across? I've worked in most industries over the years. I mean, I haven't worked in construction. I wouldn't have a clue what to do in construction, and I haven't worked in sort of you know space, um, you know, mm. design or anything like that. But pretty much every other basic industry, whether it be pharmaceutical, banking, or consulting services, or anything like that. I've, I've, you know, that's one of the beauties of, of a consultative type world. You know, you, you touch many points. I mean, you know, my background is in manufacturing. Um, it's a long time since I've actually dedicated to, to manufacturing, but that, that is my background. But, you know, I, I like touching, um, you know, many, many industries, etc. And they're all interesting. And, you know, everything I, I get involved in, I, I like to learn when I, when I published my, you know, the first book, you know, I, I kind of annoyed the hell out of my publishers because I all I wanted to do was learn about the publishing industry and I turned up at shows and things like that just to understand it uh, and they were quite bewildered that anybody would actually want to do that they weren't used to it, authors doing that but that's that's me and I like to learn it and, you know I spent a lot of time in in retail as well and and uh, you know that's a fascinating world that's where I am right now in retail yeah and it's again it's it's just fantastic it's fascinating to learn the dynamics of, of that well, very dynamic business right now. I mean, retail is just changing rapidly. So that's what excites me. Yeah, I, I remember um, 
all 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 these different industries have their uniqueness, don't they? And I remember working in a with an organisation where I was doing a financial planning si- system, and they uh, they pointed out that there was no they were part of the Dixons Group, and it was a case of they had a change freeze on any of their IT systems from the middle of November until the end of January, and it's kind of like, well, why? And then I kind of dropped the penny dropped is that's their biggest. Uh, time when they get any money in at all so they didn't want anything if they couldn't take payments at a at a shop they massive impact on their business oh yeah absolutely golden quarter you know we've yeah. just gone through that etc and, and that's the kind of things you learn about it you know it's okay that's fascinating so i understand the pattern of the projects that we've got underway at the moment and, and what works and what doesn't work and when do you leave them alone and when do you try and make differences for them yeah yeah wow. so talking about your projects then and like maybe the, it's the ones you're on now and although um what is the largest, and, and I'm not asking for stats and details to about <laughs> verify that it is the largest. What would you say was your, your largest or gnarliest project that well, the, uh, you've managed, and what did you learn on it? Uh, most I pretty much learned everything that was really you know, really practical on this thing. So this was, it was nearly three years in the end. It was um, it was in uh, still. Uh, stockholding industry it was deployment of a kind of um uh, th- this company had many depots all over the place where people could go and order steel and all the other stuff that goes you know with that kind of heavy metal kind of yeah. structure material um and you know uh this this was a this was the controlled rollout of an mrp system um with financials and everything uh, it was complex it was difficult they were going through a transformation they, you know so it actually was was very challenging and we got into also distribution requirements planning as well and and they had all the warehouses and restocking and ordering and it was it was it was fascinating from that point of view um but it took a long long time and and kind of what i learned from this was so many lessons that you know it, it you know it, it went well it went disastrously long wrong it it kind of recovered it was just it, it went almost legal at one point and then it went to a wonderful finish etc so there was everything and i think what i really the key i think two things i learned on this one is i would say i would summarize is one is the important i mean i'm not a person i really hate people who just audit trail for the sake of it but i kept good records and actually you know when we had the bad times the ability to go back and reference clearly conversations decisions etc so you know i really don't like you know I, and people always joke about me but you know i have no emails in my inbox or anything and i don't know store emails because it's in the moment for me and it's it's a conversational thing not a kind of an audit trail but i do keep records you know, in critical ones so that that proved very valuable to me i think and the second thing which is um was was learning about the kind of dynamics of the users because one of the big selling points on this this solution we were putting in was that we would make life much faster for the people who used it uh, because the old system was staggeringly slow you know they you know imagine some guys comes in they've, they've ordered some some material it's being loaded up on the lorry right now and you know and they stand there tapping their fingers and banging and etc because they're waiting for the system to catch up with the order process and the payment and this was brilliant. So when we when we deployed the first, you know, ten or so of these depots, etc., um, uh, service desks, etc., you know, everybody was delighted. You know, I mean, there were some teething problems, training problems, etc., but everybody was delighted because it was it was like lightning speed compared to the old system. What I didn't anticipate was that halfway through the deployment of about forty of these uh, these locations, of course, the old system was no longer burdened by all these major depots because we rolled them out quickly. So the old system was going at lightning speed, and nobody understood why we had they had to change at all. So, you know, learning about the fact 
change impacts people in different ways and you have to anticipate a lot, I think was kind of one of the, one of the other big messages or big lessons I learned from that experience to anticipate the impact on people and that actually projects, the longer they are, the more things change during the project. Yeah, I can see how that can uh, frustrate people, especially if they're moving on to a new one that it's subtly different and the perception can be difficult on user experience, can it? So looking at, the, so I don't know whether it would drop within this project, would it, would, uh, what's your biggest screw up from a project point of view and, and what, and I, I hopefully you would have learned something from it. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you, you've, you've got the lazy project manager. That is an entire book of screw ups which, uh, <laughs> and lessons I've learned, which is one of the things people tell me they like about the book. One, it's short, two, it's funny. And three, it's actually got honest lessons in it. Whereas most, project management books at that time were just theoretical masterpieces of, of perfection, um, which I don't think necessarily helps people. I mean, my biggest screw up, I mean, it's just, there's just so many, I think, um, that, that that you can go through in that one. I mean, um, you know, I think, I mean, the one I'm going to touch on is, was again, was a, it was from that project, the big project. It was realizing the kind it, was it was it a screw up as such it was i completely underestimated the influence of a particular stakeholder um in this one and i can't go into too much detail on it but the point is this particular person wanted a piece of functionality and we kept saying that's not in the contract or i kept saying it's not in the contract it's not in the scope we talked about it we didn't do it etc and and they were so nice about it every single time because this would happen every few months they can't have a chat with me over a coffee or raise it at a steering meeting or whatever and every time we I'd, I'd rebuff it and go ah, do you remember this you know i can't say their name obviously but you know mr x do you remember this we talked about this oh yes yes i remember that i mean right at the very end when we, and there was a major milestone that had to be signed off and it was uh it was a tough old contract because if they didn't sign this milestone off they basically had the the right to go back and try and reclaim all of the money that we'd already i mean those days you know revenue recognition was very yeah. different yeah. you know the moment the sub paperwork was signed we think we actually in, in basically set an invoice for about 80 percent of the revenue sort of thing <laughs> um that, we can't do that now obviously but my, right at the very end he he basically just dug his heels in and and you know th this guy was 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 a very amiable, wonderful person. He was very influential because he was the nephew of the of founder of the organisation. He had gazillion shares, etc. And we had to do it in the end. We had to do it, and we had to do it at our own cost, etc. And it wasn't. It was you know it added another couple of months to the project, which you know on that on that scale of project maybe not so critical. But I did. It was a screw up in the sense of I didn't truly anticipate or understand what this guy could do if he wanted to and he was so nice about it you know i almost apologized you know but you know it's it's understand your stakeholders is critical really is yeah yeah and they don't they don't necessarily need to be shouting and banging a desk to mm. uh, be uh, not supportive do they no i mean because in contrast there was there was the um, you know the son of the devil who was the it director who was always banging his fists and demanding stuff and you know actually everybody including the uh, company members from the board you know got bored with him in the end and 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 kind of ignored him so yes yeah, the yeah it's, they say it's the quiet ones <laughs> that's a fair point so flipping it let's move back to being a bit more positive on these what what would you say was your proudest project delivery 
I, you know, can I cheat and say, well, actually finishing my first book? That was, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a. I know, having now done a couple, I know what the project it is now. Yes, yeah, because <laughs> I mean, it was an, it was completely unknown for me, and it was like, well, I, I wanted to do a book. Um, I wanted to do, write a book because I thought it would support my speaking, and that's really the advice I was given. So you know, and I was very fortunate. I found a publisher who were willing to publish this crazy title book called The Lazy Project Manager. <laughs> um, but I had a very they, what they, was interesting. They came back to me and they said, "Look, yeah, you know, they were a very small publishing house." And they said, "Well, look, one of our books is um, we're not going to go ahead with it. So there is a there's like a two month window, so we could actually publish it this year. But can you write it? Can you get a manuscript in like eight weeks?" Of course, I said yes. <laughs> and in fact, I did it much faster than that because I had a lot. I mean, to be fair, I had a lot of thoughts behind it. I had the website I built, I had yeah. you know, stuff put together. So it was, it wasn't that onerous. Um, but it's like, okay, yes. And I didn't, you know, I had no idea how to write a book. And I, and I just, you know, basically locked myself in my room. There was post-it notes everywhere and bits of paper and cans of energy drinks um uh and, and the like and i and i i shut myself away for just over a week to produce the first sort of draft of it and then the, i was just in despair because it was ten thousand words short from what they wanted and i could i'd run out of things to say and you know and all that and then um and, but eventually you know it came out and you know it, i was very fortunate it was very successful as a result so you know that was a that was a project and i and i actually did a kind of a retrospective on it afterwards and kind of and just you know could look at it and go ah well if peter if you'd actually thought about this as a bit more of a project rather than just sitting there staring at a screen then actually you might have structured this a bit better and done something different so yeah I, that's probably my proudest moment is that it, it, it existed and obviously since then obviously very proud on the success it's had brilliant so kind of a link to that really is what 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 made you start the writing and the blogging and and the speaking i think you alluded to there that you were looking to do speaking and then yeah, you so, podcast and and the 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 array of things that you do nowadays yes i mean it all came out um from from all that really so you know i was i i I'd worked with a, a gentleman who I dedicate the book to actually, and I had worked with him in a number of companies and we actually worked in a couple more companies after that. And it, it, the, the all Rick kicked off with, he um, basically said, well, I'm, I think it's time for me to move on. You know, uh, he would run professional services, you know, globally or whatever. And, and he always recognized the need for someone to oversee the kind of project community. And this was before PMOs existed. You know, we had a center of excellence and a community yeah. of etc um he said well i think i'm moving on what are you going to do next and i said well, i kind of still have work to do here and i kind of enjoy it but you know i, I want to do a bit more speaking i kind of enjoy that uh, and that's when he insulted me and said you, you know you're really good at this but you're the laziest person i've ever met and that's kind of where the lazy project manager came from so i, I kind of had then had what turned out to be a brand in the end i didn't realize that so um it was like, well, okay, a book. A book would help me speaking. Right, okay, I'll write a book. And I was very lucky and I got a publisher and we, we produced a book. Um, and actually, it was, I, 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 I was grateful in the end because it was one of those publishing deals which was joint risk. So basically said, yeah, we'll publish your book, but we need you to buy X number of books, which was quite a big number <laughs> at, a, at a rate. Yeah. And of course, I said, yes, I would have said anything at that point, you know, sell my children, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I'm going to be an author. It's fantastic. So when my when my four sample copies turned up, it was very excited. And when the lorry turned up with the shipment for my garage, it's like, 
um, it was like, um, okay, I need to get rid of these. How am I going to do that? Well, I'm going to hit the road. I'm going to start speaking. And obviously, nobody paid me in those days. So I did you know, PMI uh, events, I did APM events, stuff like that, uh, British Computer Society events. And of course, I trolled along a load of books and, and sold them. And you know, within a fairly short period of time, I, I managed to get rid of all the books and actually ordered some more. So that was really good. But like, you know, it kind of kick-started me that and it's something that's quite common these days, you know, and, and I'm sure you know this, they, they, you know, publishers are really kind of good if you, if you, but they also expect authors to do a promotion themselves, et cetera. Yeah, so yeah. I tried everything and I, you know, the website was there and I've much improved over time. I started blogging and that seemed to work. Um, and, you know, it, obviously I did things, you know, extracts from the book or articles based on the principles of the book. That was quite popular. Um, I, I gave a, it a go at a podcast and I was very excited when a few people started subscribing and then, you know, astonished when I had my first thousand people kind of, you know, listening to the podcast and, and it's gone on since there. Um, and I would try many things. There's been the, you know, the latest project manager e-learning course, you know, I've tried selling the books online, I mean, anything and everything to kind of promote market, et cetera, and get my myself out there. And, you know, obviously over time, that first year of speaking for free in the UK turned into my first invitation to go abroad. And then, then it's a kind of, it's now it's a mixture. You know, I do some um, kind of giving back to the, uh, the community if you like, and it keeps me in practice as well. And I like going to these events and some obviously people pay me for the larger ones, et cetera. So it, it, that's kind of really how it came about. And it's astonishing. It'll be 10 years in May this, this year. I've been actually doing that. Yeah. And I noted when I was looking at the book earlier, I noticed that it was the, copyright on it was 2009 and it kind of seemed 2009 seems so long ago but only yesterday as well so it's really strange yeah i know it's it's mm, i know um I mean, maybe it's just like, age feeling like yeah i think yeah i guess so like 10 years and that's kind of i go back to the early point if someone said to me what are you going to be doing in five or ten years i wouldn't say well i'll i'll have written well actually i'm just in the process of um you know writing my 19th and 20th book it's like I, w- I would never have envisaged that i would have been happy with you know the book if you like yeah um you know i i just i just couldn't imagine that 10 years later that to a degree i would be known to a degree i've been successful and you know i have the opportunity to to write and speak and travel you know 25 countries around the world it's just it's been amazing yeah I'm still, still waiting for that call for Iceland, though. If I I'm still, thank you for that plug. I am definitely <laughs> going to Iceland. It got very close at one point. Um, I met some very nice people with long surnames from Iceland. Yeah. So Iceland, if you're listening, I am desperate to come to Iceland <laughs> and speak. Yeah, I'm not sure my uh, my listenership is that wide at the moment. Maybe it will be one day. So, so, so just talking about books, talking about obviously you you uh, producing your books, but just a. What's the last project book that you read? Um, well, I've just started, actually. So one of the things that's nice is the fact that lots of people send me books these days to read. And mm. I, I, I consciously took December and most of January off to go and read other books. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I've just I've got a pile next to me right on my windowsill right now. And the top one is the one that a lady called Ruth Pierce sent me. Which oh, is, yeah, I know. I've, and I've seen Ruth on uh, OK. Be a project motivator. Be yeah, a project motivator, yeah. unlock the secrets of strength-based project management. So I've just literally started that one. Um, so you know, I don't have a, I don't have a view. Um, I've just finished the chapter on an accidental project manager, so uh, I recognise a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so that's currently what I'm reading. So we'll see where that one goes, and then I'll move down. I've actually got eight books to read, so um, I need to crack on with those ones. 
Yeah, I was chatting over, I think it was over LinkedIn with Ruth, see if I could get her on this uh, podcast as well. So that would be really good. Well, there you go. You can tell her you know, you can tell her you know me. And uh, yeah. if, she, if she wants a good review to get on your podcast. <laughs> I'll try that, bro. <laughs> um, so, again, similar sort of thing. Look, podcasts and blogs, what's, what, what do you listen to? What are you or what do you read that you find um, right. that sort so, of like sparks your project management Um yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, I'll be honest. On podcasts, I haven't um, I haven't listened to many podcasts uh, for, for a long time. I mean, you know, Cornelius Fiction as well mm. was was an old favourite of mine. Um, uh, any other few others, I would dip in and out of. But I haven't listened to podcasts for a while, and that's probably partly down to the fact I'm not doing a huge amount of commuting these days, which I used to do. Um, blogs, yes, and I, I'll be, I, 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 you know, I'm not a particular follower of blogs uh, or writers, but what flies out at me if I see something on LinkedIn that's intriguing yeah. I you know I'm a classic sort of right okay well you've got 30 seconds and if it hooks me I'll I'll read more on it and that that's kind of where I go with it or you know if I've been talking to someone about a particular topic or I have a conference coming up that's themed in a certain way some things will leap out so I'm a, I'm a very heavy LinkedIn user and you know mm-hmm. and I enjoy some there are some good article good blogs out there so I don't have a particular affinity to anybody um, but I like lots of people and I'm, I'm more interested by the actual specific blog article itself yeah okay cool cool so just you mentioned that you're um, you've got your 19th and your 20th book Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in in progress at the moment. I know you. I think your was it your it must be your 18th. Then the presentation on presentations came out. Um, was it November time, October time? Yeah, that one. Yes, that's because um, one of my favourite ones. Because I mean, I done a lot of presentations. You get asked lots of questions, and so yeah. I, I put together this crazy thing called the presentation on presentations, which is 60 minutes of how to be a good presenter and all the bad things you can do. And of course, there were some notes of it, and then it became a kind of a one-day workshop. And then, and I thought, well, this is actually the basis of a book, so let's get that out of the way. And that's that's one of the beauties of the world these days in publishing. I've sort of digressed a little bit, but you know, there I I have books are published by you know the, the regular sort of publishers but also you can self-publish so easy through amazon so there are some books i can just churn out there and go you know i can tick that i've done that um it'll be useful i can sell a few of those or people might be interested so that's what that one is now currently i'm working on on two books um and you know they're both with um traditional publishers and they're extremely different and and they're going to take a while to do really but i'm quite excited about both of them they're very both very different one is to do with project management and one isn't to do with project management so that in itself makes it different and interesting cool cool so we get we get to see them later in the year or early next year i'd imagine next year um you know these these with the drafts will hit the publishers mid-year so they typically take at least six months to actually put them through their little processing sausage machine and it'll come out in 2020 all right cool excellent so i've got a couple of final questions on on this it's kind of okay. uh, a mix really is one of them is is what your what would be your top tip to a, a seasoned pm that's out there these days uh, aside so, from buy all your books but, you know, <laughs> well obviously they're seasoned they've already read all my books clearly. <laughs> that's fair enough uh, yeah. um you know, one of the things I and it's interesting. So, you know, obviously I run I run PMOs and have run PMOs for years. And one of the things I always differentiate senior project managers are not. I mean, to a degree, it is about their experience, their capability to scale a project, the complexity of project that they've delivered and managed successfully. But the other thing I, I measure, and this is my challenge back to seasoned project managers, is share. I mean, share your knowledge with other people, and 
you know, yes, part of what I do is very commercial. Part of what I do is obviously for me and my family and, and income, etc. But I also do quite a bit of stuff to kind of try and give a little bit back to the community. And, uh, you know, that's what I like to see in project managers. Every single project manager who's seasoned has a story to tell and they may they may want to tell it in different ways. I mean, we're all, we all have their strengths and weaknesses in, in a way we want to communicate it. Yeah. But even if it's a very simple blog article, if it's a very, you know, even a LinkedIn yeah, one liner or a tweet or anything like that, it's, it is, there are so many opportunities to share and there are so many people joining the profession and it's great. Um, and they are, yeah, we started off with honest. There are a lot of people who intend to be project managers and they're taking degrees, et cetera, but they actually need that kind of practical advice as well. So I, I think my top tip for, is like, if you've learned this much, you've learned something that's valuable to other people. So don't keep it to yourself, you know, share it with the green beans. Brilliant. So exactly sort of flip side of that then is the, the final question of you've, you've, you've got one, one presentation slide. <laughs> and one presentation slide you're allowed to time travel to see young peter when he's doing that first repair line project yeah uh-huh. what, what 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 would you what would be on that slide you tell him about project management it's something i've talked about a lot so it's very simple and it's two words and it's and i was very fortunate i was given these two words uh, this two word advice the guy i work for I know back in those early days, I mean, he knew, he knew, as far as I know, he knew nothing about projects or project management. We were all consultants effectively, Yeah. but he had, he came to me and he said, look, um, you know, this is what you're doing. He said, Peter, there's a simple guide I have, which is no surprises. Yeah. You can screw up as much as you like within reason. He said, and if you, you know, if I, if you come to me and tell me about it, we'll work together and try and find a way to resolve it. He says, but if something lands on my desk that you haven't told me about, and it's a problem and it's something that you're responsible for um I, it's a surprise then we'll be having a very different conversation and, and i think that's really at the heart of project management project management is working with this f- crazy dynamic changing complex multi-person multi-resource multi-issue type world over over a period of time and actually the project manager's job is to try and elevate themselves to a point of trying to anticipate as much as possible. I know everything is impossible, clearly. Yeah, yeah. But the more you can elevate, and one of the biggest weaknesses I see in immature project managers is they get so dragged down into the weeds that they kind of forget their, um, you know, more for supporting your project team and getting involved and not being an aloof remote resource. But I see it so often they get they get dragged down into so much detail they never spend the time going. Oh, hang on, let me just look at this. How's the project going? Are we heading in the right direction? Is there something, you know? You know, is this project Titanic heading for an iceberg over there yeah. potentially? It's that kind of thing. So, I, you know, I think a slide that just says no surprises is is extremely – it worked for me anyway, and I think it's extremely good advice. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, Peter, that, I've, I've come to the end of my, my questions, uh, uh, but I could probably listen to you uh, for much longer. Um, if people want to hear more about you, uh, get hold of your books, Where where's the best place they can get hold of or find out details? Yeah, I'm in the website, www.thelazyprojectmanager.com is the best place to go to. And I'm, I'm at, and I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter and, you know, people just can connect me that way. I love connecting to people on LinkedIn particularly. And, um, yeah, I'm out there. That's brilliant. Okay. Well, that's it. Thank you very much. Again, um, I, I maybe not said it at the beginning, but I'm a little bit of a fanboy from getting the book. And you're a bit of an inspiration to uh, getting my backside into writing something as well. So, uh, thank you for that sharing and inspiring. 
and um, catch up with you again. Yeah, thanks everybody, and be lazy. Yeah, cheers. Bye now. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Peter. Um, I want to thank Peter for uh, agreeing to be my first interviewee. And if there's anyone else out there who's like to have a chat about how they got into project management and some of the experiences they had, please get in touch. I'm on uh, sundaylunchpm at gmail.com or at sundaylunchpm on Twitter. Same goes for all the other social media, Facebook, etc. Or you can pop along to the website, which is the Sunday Lunch Project blogspot.com and then the final thing obviously it takes a little bit of cash to get these things going and get these podcasts moving um, I've set up a Patreon page and if you feel that it's uh, something you could do I'd really appreciate uh, anyone who uh, would sponsor me there from that point of view and it's at Patreon and again it's Sunday lunch PM so that's it I hope you have a wonderful day and the rest of the day or whatever you're doing and remember project management is funny <laughs>